Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Ephesians 6. Well, I regret to inform you this morning that the United States has fallen. Our nation is now under the control of the Canadian government. And in fact, your homes, uh, even our church, your workplaces have probably all been infiltrated actually by double agents who are working for the other side. We are now at war. Okay, well, none of that is really true, and you probably picked up on that when I said it was the Canadian government that we had fallen to, but here's what is true. We are at war, and what's also true is our culture is being controlled by outside forces, and there's not really a choice that you have. You don't get to choose whether you're going to fight or not if you're a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are at war. You are in a struggle. And that's why we need Ephesians 6 to remind us that we are in that struggle, but also to tell us how to fight it. And that's what we're going to see today as we look at this chapter. Now, before we get into a lot of this talk about spiritual warfare, we see the rest of kind of the family household codes that would have dealt with the most common day-to-day relationships in that society. Yesterday, we looked at wives and husbands. Today, addresses children and fathers and slaves and their masters, talking to all of them about how they should live. And like wives and husbands, for both of these, the culture, when they see the first one, would probably be nodding along. Even those that weren't followers of Christ, they would say, yep, Children should obey their parents. And they would say, yep, slaves should obey their masters. But they would again be shocked when it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Well, since when should a father care about, you know, that aspect of parenting? But no, we we see these things. And wait, masters need to consider how they treat their slaves? What's what's up with that? These would have been very countercultural things. Uh, First, children, obey your parents. I'm guessing most of you listening are more in the responsibility of parents than you are of children. Although, hey, maybe some of you parents are for the first time making your kids listen to this podcast today. Uh, Just let this be a reminder that teaching children to obey their parents is good. Don't ever apologize for teaching your children to obey their parents because it comes with a promise. But then notice there, it specifically calls out the fathers. And again, this would have been countercultural, and it's still something we need to consider today. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Even as you uh, discipline them, right? You bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We see ideas there of you're, you're correcting them, but you're also directing them. So you're you're turning them away from what is wrong through discipline, but you're also turning them towards what is right through the instruction of the Lord. That's what every father, every parent should really be thinking. I'm correcting my kids away from what is bad and directing them towards God, towards the Bible, ultimately towards the gospel. But along the way, 
fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. There's a variety of ways, fathers, you can do that. You can do that by being inconsistent. You can do that probably most easily just by being angry yourself. Um, Do not provoke your children to anger. And then we see uh, this talking to the slaves and masters, and a lot of the principles here would work nicely in an employee-employer relationship today. Employees, you need to do what your bosses tell you, and you need to do it ultimately to serve Christ. Um, And masters, you need to, or bosses today, you need to consider how you would treat your employees and be mindful that ultimately you have someone that you are accountable to, and that is God. You might even own the whole business. You're still accountable to God, and we need to remember that. But then it shifts to where we'll spend more time today on this idea of spiritual warfare. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This reminds us that we are in a battle and the other side has considerable power. Even going back to chapter two, it refers to the devil as the prince of the power of the air. The dominant force really at work in our culture are these forces of evil. And you will see these forces at work and attacking in several ways. You'll see this on a personal level. You are in a spiritual battle against the devil. He is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Or in 2 Corinthians 11, we saw how Satan, he wants to lure you away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Uh, The devil is coming for you. He wants to devour you. He wants to turn you away from Christ. You'll also see this in ministry. Um, You think of, again, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, a messenger of Satan was sent to harass him. There will be opposition in ministry. And that's a good reminder. I even just think of my church. It's important for us to realize our greatest challenge isn't anything to do with logistics or finding a building or a facility. Our greatest challenge is that we have an enemy who wants to thwart the work at our church. Uh, Also, you see these forces in society. And that's where you'll see things in society that it's like, ooh, that that actually looks kind of on its face, demonic and satanic. And those are things are out there and and you see those and and that's that's wrong. That's wicked. That's evil. But also not everything that Satan is doing looks that way. Anything that pulls people away from Christ to pursue idols is demonic. Anything in our culture, it might look even somewhat wholesome. Remember, the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. So there's some things that you see and it's like, wow, that's dark, that's demonic. Yeah, that's wicked. But there's also things that they might not come with that packaging, but they are demonic and they are satanic, even though they might look more wholesome. Anything that is pulling people away from Christ is the work of the devil. And with this battle, we need to avoid a couple extremes. One extreme would to 
be to never, ever think about this, to never think about the spiritual dimension of what is, is going on here. There's also another extreme where you can become obsessed with it and even kind of get to a place of spiritual superstition. And that's where we need, okay, well, what do I do with this knowledge that there is a battle going on. And that's where it tells you, well, you need therefore in light of all of this to put on the whole armor of God and you need to stand firm. That's what you need to do. And then it describes the armor here. First, you see the belt of truth and the belt here that that idea would be girding up their loins, right? Tying up all the loose ends of their garment so that they are ready to fight. First Peter speaks of girding up the loins of your mind. You need to do that to be able to fight. And the truth, ultimately God's truth, it is, is what's going to help you fight that battle, whether it's your personal battle with sin, whether it's uh, fighting in ministry for the cause of the gospel, whether it's what's going on in society, you need the truth. And ultimately you'll find that truth in the Bible. And that's what's going to tie up all the loose ends in your mind and keep you from tripping up. Next, we see the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, Now, we think, obviously, of the imputed righteousness of Christ, and that is gloriously true how that protects us. But I think what he is speaking of here is really the practical righteousness of sanctification. Again, going back to uh, verse 24 of chapter 4, you are to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You need to protect yourself by pursuing what is good and right and true. That will protect even, I think of what a breastplate protects. It protects your heart, your lungs, these essential organs. Uh, Righteousness and practical righteousness will protect you in this fight. Next, it talks about the readiness given by the gospel of peace. These are your gospel shoes. These would have been some form of, think of sandals and cleats put together. You're wearing these sandal cleats and there's a readiness. And I think ultimately a readiness to share the gospel. And again, that's that's what our wicked generation needs. It needs the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. And then it talks about the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Maybe you've seen in movies of battles from a long time ago, how they would uh, put their arrows on the bow and dip their arrows in this fire and then send off these flaming arrows. Well, you need the shield of faith to extinguish those. And I love that imagery of the shield of faith because those flaming darts often will come in the form of doubt. Again, go back to Eve in the garden. What does the devil say? Did God really say this? And the idea he's trying to get across to Eve is God is holding out on you. He's planting seeds of doubt. God really isn't that good. No, the shield of faith extinguishes those. No, I believe in God. I believe that he is good. And that's going to help you win ultimately what's a battle for your affections and a battle for your trust. And then we see the helmet of salvation. I think even just of the importance of assurance and the peace that that can bring to you in the midst of this battle, knowing I have salvation. I need assurance that can only come through the Bible. And then finally, the sword of the spirit. This is our only offensive weapon, and it is the word of God. And again, personally, this is what you need. How did Jesus overcome temptation? He overcame it with scripture. In ministry, 
what we need to do to fight the battle. So many churches get focused on particular strategies or pragmatism and what, what, what works. We need more churches focused on what well, we're going to teach the Bible and then we're going to seek to live like this teaches us to live. The power of the word of God and personal holiness is really what we need in this battle. And then society, how, how can we make advances there? Well, how can we get more people into the Bible? Uh, these are the ways that God is calling us to fight. And then he highlights prayer, praying at all times in the spirit. And we are to pray for the saints. And I think even as we think through this, we are not fighting this battle on our own. We're a part of a unit. And these prayers, I think, should have a somewhat inward element where we're praying for each other in the battles that we're facing. We're all facing this battle against sin, and we need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. But then Paul also gets to the point of, I pray for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We should also be praying for each other to boldly proclaim the gospel. So this is how we should fight. You are in a battle, and it's certainly not one with the Canadian government, but you are in a battle against the evil spiritual forces that are working in the world around us. And we need to realize that, but then we need to fight with the tools that God has given us. Fight with a hunger for righteousness. Fight with the word of God. Fight with faith and fight with prayer. Prayer for our brothers and sisters, prayer for our holiness, prayer for our evangelistic efforts. These are the tools that God has given us. So let's go use them and let's go fight today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.